Hi everyone, welcome back to Reader's Table, the podcast where two story lovers talk about books, movies, and stories of any kind. I'm Nick. And I'm Priscilla. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Stay up to date and join the community on Instagram at Reader's Table. If you want to support us and are looking for exclusive content, use our Patreon link in the description. It's time for another fantasy novel. This time we are talking about, as you've already heard and maybe read in the title, The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Yeah. Um, Priscilla has read this. I haven't. So today I'm going to ask you the questions you're telling me about the book. Yeah, I'm Um, excited. I know next to nothing. I know it's about a bard, uh, but that's all I know. What is this book about? Well, this story is about a man that has lived, uh, so to say, a legendary life with myths and heroic tales told about him. And it's a story. It's also a story about the boy um, becoming one of the most notorious wizards in the world. It's also a story about a boy losing his family, fighting off the odds as an orphan alone in a huge city, while managing to get accepted at the renowned university to study the arcane arts. We start off this story by getting introduced to an innkeeper with the name Quoth and the chronicler, which is or who is a writer, and the chronicler wants to hear this the real story behind Quoth the Bloodless, which he agrees to tell during the span of three days. And that's actually how the whole saga is set up. You have three books, or three books are planned. We only have two right now, The Name of the Wind, then A Wise Man's Fear, and the third one will be The Doors of Stone. So each book is one day. Exactly. And the third one is not out yet. Mm -hmm. I'm about to read the second. And yeah, that's shortly said what the name of the mm-hmm. wind is about so the bard is also the innkeep exactly. he's talking about himself about his past he's mm-hmm. a legend do people know that he's a legend in the town like where he's an innkeep or no so the guy no. that comes in that writes the story is sort of a bard himself he's not a bard he's a chronicler so a, a storyteller and he knows about him being the bard yeah it's also he, he can't be mistaken sort of because he has fiery red hair and mm. Not a lot of people have that intensity of red, apparently. Okay. Is the red hair something that's uh, magical, like the sand? No. Like, does it indicate a magical gift or a talent? No, actually not. Or maybe, maybe we don't know yet. Maybe we don't know yet. Yeah, maybe in the that's second true. or third book, yeah. It's actually a really cool concept. The idea of somebody telling a story in within a story mm-hmm. in the book is something that's explored in other books, too. Um, reminds me of a book I've recently read, uh, The Fisherman by John mm-hmm. Langan. It's a horror novel. But I think it's really cool to have, like, it's broken down into three parts and those actually being the three books. Same. So, like, I... The Chronicler is, like, the author. It's like Patrick Roffitt's writing it yeah. down for you to read. Makes it makes it seem like found footage uh, equivalent, <laughs> like epistolary almost. Yes. It's also, I think, very special because Patrick Rothfuss put a lot of effort into writing these novels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his prose is really top notch. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest here. I wasn't sure if I was going to like the book. What one should never do is uh, Google some opinions online before you actually read the book. But mm-hmm. I did it because it's quite popular. And I found both opinions, like negative and positive ones. But that's I... usually a good sign, right? Yes. Because it, that it means it reflects. Something. Yeah. Yeah. That's in re- people. Yeah, it also reflects the reality of things, right? Mm-hmm. The reality is often in the middle and not mm-hmm. on one side. Yeah, it's not black and white yeah, like you always yeah. say. 
Yeah. There's like a lot of nuances. gray nuances. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, then I dove into it. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a slow paced book and you really need to invest time in it to get into the story. Mm-hmm. It, it took me like a hundred pages at least to really get comfortable with the character, his writing and all of that. But afterwards, it was just a flowing story. You never had the feeling that something didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So you felt immersed in the world. Totally. Yeah. A lot of people online say it's also a meandering story, which I get. Meandering. What does that mean? So it's like a... like it flows like a river. Sometimes it goes okay. like this and curves like this. And mm-hmm. some events... Um, seem like they have nothing to do with the initial story. I can see that, but for me, it still fits because knife is like knife. I mean, life is not a straight line anyways. Yeah. And I think it adds to his character. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's really awesome to read about a young boy, you know, being an orphan. Like, that's not cool, like, in real life. But yeah, the way he you. describes it and you follow him and you see his struggles and you can feel his emotions. Mm-hmm. So it's it's written really well. And I like that it is meandering. To me personally, I think it's a sign of if you can pull that off as an author, that it is meandering, but it doesn't take away from the main plot. It immerses you further. That you even want to know like small little side like side quests, if you will. Like, yes. Small things about the character might have nothing to do with the actual story that he's trying to tell. It really shows that you can that you're a great author, I think, because you could tell a story like Lord of the Rings, for example, you could tell probably, Classic. yeah, you could say that story in one paragraph, the whole story, but you would miss out on a lot of cool things because they went on this whole quest and this whole travelogue. I agree. Um, so I feel like it depends more how you tell the story to me personally in terms of storytelling rather than what story you're telling. You could tell the most simple story, but if you tell it in a very um, enticing way, and I'm saying this story is simple because I don't know. I don't think it is. Maybe um, the the it, core is simple. Yeah. The, the main idea, like you say, with the Lord but of the Rings. But then executed mm-hmm. uh, beautifully in a, in a you know, masterful way. And then that that's what makes storytelling beautiful, I think. The, it's a true how craft. You get, yeah, how you get from the start to the end mm-hmm. is what matters. Not the start and not the end. You know. But now that you mention it, you know, uh, side quests. Mm-hmm. Patrick Rothfuss got inspired by D&D, which I think is super cool because mm-hmm. he also states that in the anniversary edition. Yes. And I can see the D&D influence in mm-hmm. his storytelling because I also do you know see... your yeah. uh, storytelling style. And How it... can you see the D&D influence? What do you mean? Can you give an example? Uh, it's hard to just pinpoint one um, mm-hmm. incident, but more the way he tells the story. It reminded me of your D&D style. It's very, okay. I don't know if floral is the right word, but very Descriptive. colored out. Yeah. So she, yeah, yeah, he's describing a lot, like the scenery and mm-hmm. the people and what they might wear, maybe, and what it might smell like. Yes, and, and the struggles that he mm-hmm. describes. You can really feel it so intensely. That's also the name of a very serious Chinese man, Intense Lee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay. Another great thing is how he mentions the name of the wind a lot throughout the book so you know mm-hmm. it, it really has some value but you only learn about it a bit later on towards mm-hmm. the end of the book like the magic system you get to understand mm-hmm. and... that's the thing i was gonna ask you oh, next yeah. uh, so perfect segue um in fantasy there's often magic and there's often magic systems that are explained some less than others 
how many or how, what is the magic system like in this book does magic exist i think yes um, obviously yeah and how does it exist you know is there multiple types of magic um how do they work Okay, so this reminds me a lot of Brandon Sanderson's lesson. Thank you a lot. Yes, <laughs> thank you, Brandon. Yeah, it, <laughs> Brando Sando. It's easier to yeah. really talk about magic systems like that, I think. Mm -hmm. So you remember in his lecture, he, he said there is like um, the magic that can be explained and the one that can't be explained. Yeah. This more of experience. Yeah, style. the one that's explained is more like science. And the one that isn't explained is more like a, a wonder or mystique or religious mm -hmm. experience. Okay, so you have sympathy. That's, I would say it, uh, it to be the scientific sort of magic. So, you know, they talk a lot about uh, sympathy. He learns how to use it by, that's a magic by an alchemist. Yeah. And that's what he also gets trained in at the university, which he will enter at some point yeah. in the story. And then there's the the magic of naming things, and that's where the stuff gets interesting because he only and that that not really gets access to learning it towards the end of the book. So you're you're being left with a cliffhanger, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's the way of naming things. Like there's the great lore in the book about Topperlin the Great, and he was able to um, get himself out of prison with the help or with naming the wind or calling the wind. And it reminded me a lot, the setup with this somewhat crazy master who was able to name the wind and then the student. That reminded me of the poppy war with Master Zhang and Rin, mm -hmm. where she wanted to learn. Yeah, I've thought a lot in fantasy, master yeah. apprentice plot. But that's cool, you yeah, know. Yeah, it's a very popular, it's like a, a trope almost. Yeah. But I think for me personally, it's one of my favorite tropes because tropes aren't bad. Like tropes are just... A way in which to we describe, yeah, in which we define as a culture to name things, yeah, to, <laughs> yeah, basically. And I really love the master apprentice because you get to learn with the apprentice, and the apprentice becomes the master. So the, the there's like two magic systems. There's the general magic sympathy. In, 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 in sympathy, how does that work? What does it do? Can you destroy things? Can you? What does it work? How does it work? Like, it, what give an example maybe. So sympathy is a system of energy mani manipulation, which is used and learned at the university. For example, if a sympathist creates a sympathetic link between two objects, he may move both objects equal distances by exerting force on only one. So you can link things together mm -hmm. physically. Yes, and this okay. is from King Killer Fandom. So if anyone okay. wants to read up on it a bit more, there's, right. there's the source. Okay, so there's sympathy where you can bind stuff together. There's probably very creative ways in which this is used in the book. So there's that. And then there's the, the magic of naming things. And that's why it's called the name of the wind, because he's learning how to call the wind or he wants to learn. How yes, to do he that. wants to learn it. And that's something special. I think you call the name of the wind, so to say, by accident. It's essentially what it says to name things. So everything in the realm of the name of the wind has a true name. Mm -hmm. And if you're able to grasp the true name, you're able to command that thing. So that could be a stone or the wind or mm -hmm. whatever. So if I were to know a flower's name, like true name, and I were to be able to say that name and then like with magical intent or whatever, what, what would it do then? Would I be able to control to, it? Uh, Absolutely control it. But then when you could call the wind, that would mean you could you get to control how fast the wind is blowing and what direction yeah or um, like if you destroy call, 
things with it. Yeah, yeah. like like Taberlin the Great, the Lord, he Broke destroyed yeah. his prison, yeah. which was built out of stone. So yeah. he commanded the stone to break. Okay, so is there a limit to the, this magic? Is there a limitation? I like, believe do there's... you go mad or? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a an asylum where crazy people are in the story that the magic made them crazy. Yeah. yeah. Turned mentally ill. Yeah. yeah. It broke them. It yeah. broke them. So yes, it's a very um, unique but dangerous magic form to learn. Is that the only limitation that is explored, or are there others? Does it maybe like shorten your life? I think I heard that somewhere. Now that you mention it, that the name of the wind is about this magic system that Quoth, the main character, is trying to learn, but from his master at the university. Elodin. But it's uh, it's his master's name. Yes. But it's very dangerous. Like you lose your mind. Let's talk a bit about the character of Quoth. What makes him special to you? What are things that you would like to tell us about him? It was a story, a coming of age story, mm-hmm. because he. Is trying to find his way in the world without his parents, without his troop, not knowing the feeling of being alone because he was always surrounded. There was always joy and music was there. That, that was part of his life. So when he lost everything, it was so hard for him to, to accept it. And, and he, he was probably very depressed. And then he still manages to find a way into, to be smart about it. You know, a kid that young. You see a lot of kids that don't have this maturity in them. And Cloth has that. He, of course, the first few days, or I think it were even weeks, he was sort of lost, but he managed to feed himself, to to build himself a makeshift hut to survive and to, to put himself together. Then he tries to find a way to the town. He gets to the town and he, he, he tries to find his way. And I really felt with him and there were so many struggles and he, he was beaten up. He had to st- learn to steal, to to make ends meet without money. And he was hurt a lot. And meanwhile, he never forgot his parents and where he came from. And his main goal all along the way was, I have to get to university. I have to learn whatever I can learn to avenge my troop and my parents because the Chandrayaan are evil. I need to take revenge. And you could follow that train of thought from page one or like, you know, the page where they got killed to the last page. He was really trying to, to get to university. He got there. He had a hard life staying at university. At some point he got expelled. And even during university, he got whipped on an open courtyard where everyone could watch him and to portray his utter strength he took drugs so like i labeled him as drugs so he wouldn't bleed a lot and he wouldn't feel a lot during the whipping and to preserve his dignity was it relatable because obviously those are extremes right like being being maybe tortured so to say by another student that is rich and more privileged than he is but for you you are a student um, you had your struggles as a student. Is that something you could relate to? Probably that like played str- into it. Yeah. Something else. So that's else. good, right? That yeah. makes him very likable. And also you said, even though he might not have what it takes to make ends meet, he tries and he, tries he makes really it hard. happen uh, most of the time. So he's also very competent. 
So mm-hmm. he's very competent, very likable. Does that change? Does he become less competent? Does he make mistakes? I don't feel like it. Yes, he makes mistakes like mm-hmm. every human being does. But he also always shows up. How do you say? His honesty. You know, there were so many times, like there, there was this one, um, Relar, that's like a stage um, of students, a stage of uh, a level that you can gain at university. And there was this one female Relar, and he could have her, you know, but he, his only focus was on his goals, you know. Mm-hmm. His the, main like goal the, being... the normal, um, The normal urges that humans have, he completely blend them out and he worked towards his goal. You hardly see that uh, in people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I'm really curious about the second book because a lot of people on booktube and so they they didn't didn't like it but they, they weren't so blown away mm-hmm. due to a few things but when we talked to michaela she was like the second yeah. book is also she amazing and that encouraged yeah. me i was like i can really be excited for yeah. this you know? and you know what it's also a story like that is planned and book is itself a story book two is itself a story yes but he has planned the character arc of quant and i'm sure other things too but that's his protagonist so he has planned the character arc through three books i don't think you can judge the character until you've read the three books yes really absolutely because then you'll see what happens and i'm super intrigued now to read it because i'm questioning who the heck is the chronicler and why does he care about him is it somebody from his past maybe that he doesn't know anymore or no no he he knows the chronicler chronicler is famous a famous script scribe scribe um but maybe there is more backstory to him that might surprise us as readers maybe he has a relation to a person that quaff wronged and he's trying to get revenge on quaff or something i don't know well probably not um so in the book obviously he's the protagonist he's your favorite character of the book Uh, obviously i mean you read a lot about him yeah but besides him who's your favorite character and before I answer that, because what I really, also want to yeah. say is I really enjoyed reading the story of a boy mm-hmm. growing a man. I usually read more female-based books, mm-hmm. female-centered mm-hmm. books, so Rightfully that was so. amazing for me. Um, and my favorite character besides Quoth, that's a bit difficult, I think, to answer. But I, I think I like Auri a lot, the former student that lives at the university in the tunnels of the university. And I think there can there's a novella I think based on her. Is she there because she went crazy because she named things? Or? I have no idea. Okay, but so we don't know. Mm-hmm. Can you name things like you can name things like the wind? Can you name people and control them? I don't know. Maybe that's something to be explored. I don't yeah, know. Maybe that's a thing that he figures out uh-huh. and then he misuses it or so. Maybe that's why he's called the King Killer. Oh my God, I, I haven't thought about this. So why is he called the the Bloodless? He didn't bleed when he got whipped. So maybe that's already an indication of foreshadowing. But also maybe because as a metaphor rather than a literal thing. Because when you when you say, you know, it could be within the lore of the story. In our world, we say somebody's cold-blooded. But there they could say he's bloodless. Like he, mm-hmm. he he's not human, you know, doesn't care. And I also think he's a unique character. I mean, the red mm-hmm. fiery hair... Mm-hmm. A bard and just what, is the he, what is he described as otherwise? Like, what is his stature? Is he rather skinny? Do we know that? 
or what he looks like besides the fire. You know, I always have a trouble. I always have the trouble um, of you know really imagining yeah. the character because yeah, yeah. I usually read and there's some sort of form and and it's not the details visuals. right in the imagination. It's just the characteristics that we read about, mm-hmm. like the fire red hair. Then that's the main characteristic. Yes. But is it long hair? Is it curled? What what does it look it's like? It's wild, wooly hair. So it's just a mane. Yeah, and he yeah. he cuts it himself. So okay. So it's yeah. just wild. Yeah. <laughs> um, I picture him not to be like this buff dude. He's more of a slender guy. Mm-hmm. Probably has some muscle mm-hmm. and is lean, but but neither too or too little. So he's not too much or too little. in any shape or form like that. No, but there's great fan art online, and they all okay. end up like with the same sort of vision. characterization yeah. or vision. Yes. Yeah. Well, that just shows that maybe you describe him very well for mm-hmm. people to sort of have an imagination. And the way you can describe a character physically is not just through, oh, he looks like that mm-hmm. or he wears that, it's through his character. So maybe the way he acts will will tell you how he stands. Or if his shoulders are more slumped yeah. or, or like that, you know. Or the way he is as a person will maybe tell you how he sits you know is he more like a laid back or is he always very straight or is he like leaning onto the wall i think that's that that's just another great hallmark of a great writer and i think he is i haven't even read the book but i really think he is because a lot of people say it you say it and i trust yeah you. i i didn't um, expect it to be so good to be honest yeah. no because i mean you you didn't really have any expectations no. right you just went in blindly which is the perfect way to go into well it. technically not that blindly because yeah, i read looked, reviews but yeah. that's my own mistake yeah. <laughs> but i was I, I ended up loving the character a lot has he written other books patrick Rothfuss, or is this his only no books? i think that's his series that's his only books i think so but then that's fantastic that's really impressive but he has probably written before yeah yeah i yeah. think so too but i mean he he stays on his website i think that he he has told stories and yeah like he's a storyteller. That's I his think thing. maybe maybe yeah. part of him is in Koth. Every protagonist, every character you write as an author has something of you, especially the protagonist. And him being a storyteller and saying that of himself, that's a quality of a bard himself. Maybe he right? also wanted to play the loop, yeah. but... <laughs> yeah. But I love how he differentiates in himself as the author with the chronicler being more of his role, like mm-hmm. the guy that writes down stuff, you know, but in a poetic way. So it's more of a bardic trait. One of my professors at university said, humans are the storytelling animal. And that's so true because we are obviously in a lot of ways different from other animals, but we're still an animal. And what really defines us, besides our cognitive capacity to build things and understand things in a logical way, is we just tell stories to educate each other to learn about each other, to give uh, give values to each other, respect. and That reminds me of myself because my dad used to read us stories from this huge fairy tale book. I still love... Brother Grimm? Not just Brothers, Brother Grimm, but the... Brothers Grimm, <laughs> yeah. but in general, fairy tales. And I just, I could listen to them 24-7. I know for my dad, it was probably very exhausting to read to me, but that's something it. I will always cherish. Do you think that maybe that was your foray into fantasy because it has fantastical maybe, figures? Maybe, and, yeah. yeah. I really loved The Little Mermaid. That was my mm-hmm. favorite ever. My grandma would tell the story of an omelette that uh, wanted uh, yeah. to live his own life, so he escaped <laughs> the pan and walked <laughs> down the street. And again, at the end of the day, how you tell a story 
matters more than what you're te- like mm-hmm. what you're telling matters too obviously um but how you package it is what matters the most mm-hmm. that's how you reach the right people and maybe can enhance what you're telling yeah. too i think introducing kids to books and stories at a very young age is important mm-hmm. patrick Rothfuss is an author where do you put him for me he belongs to high tier because he does a great job and even if he wrote 10 years in the first and second or whatsoever that shows it's great it's quality yeah and i can value that a lot okay let's head on over to likes and dislikes yeah first and foremost the intentional prosaic writing mm-hmm. top notch and then i love the storytelling aspect you know the lore behind it the character itself the different uh, masters on the, uh, at the university like different um modules like modules classes. Section, classes exactly and the friendships between cloth and his uh, study mates and auri i think those are the most prevalent ones and dislikes well i would have loved to read a bit more in-depth stuff about dena or maybe auri but that might come in the second book it really is a slow burner some like in the beginning it was a bit difficult to get into it but passed quickly and there are interludes. That means that that's the present where they are at the inn. Mm-hmm. And then they talk a bit and then the story continues. Right. I think there should have been a few more interludes to balance out the big story chunks. But that's a personal preference. Okay, that's your likes and dislikes. That being said, let's head on over to your recommendation. We already said this uh, you know, book is for certain group of people you already said anyone could read it you will um, benefit from it i think um is there any other specific groups you would like to name maybe draw a connection between other fantasy books or so well i think people general? that just like to read classical fantasy prose um or the people that look to get into a story very deeply mm-hmm. and spend time with it and yet the first thing i said was um if you just want to read a great story like great in the sense of writing style immersiveness that's your go <laughs> Thank you for your recommendation. Uh, Thank you for listening. That's it for today's episode. We hope you enjoyed The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. Stay up to date and join the community on Instagram at Reader's Table. If you want to support us and are looking for exclusive content, use our Patreon link in the description. Thank you very much for listening.